Welcome everyone to another episode of The Wood From The Trees from Cabin 111 and this is an amazing interview. Oh, this is, this is gonna be, I'm so excited because he's my friend. I'm so nervous. He's my friend and he's really, really famous and he has a tight little art. <laughs> Can I just say at the start of this podcast, everything David says, I'm not. I'm just, I, before we start the podcast, I just want to just play a voice note that you sent me. Don't do that. Go on, go on, no. Because it just set, it sets the precedent for the whole But David, program. there has to be boundaries. And any voice notes I send you... No, this one is not too bad. <laughs> just bear with me. You're bear with fucker. Me. Listen up now, listen up. Hi, David. I've just seen your story now. Uh, thank you very much indeed. Uh, I just have a question. Would it be possible to stop commenting on my arse? Uh, it, it's, it's not actually a tight little arse at all. Um... <laughs> It's carrying a bit of weight and yeah. people are coming up to me on the street saying David Cuddy told me I have a tight little arse and they want to see it. And then they see that it's not a tight little arse and they're underwhelmed. <laughs> so you're really setting me up for a fall by telling people I have a tight little arse. So if you could stop that, uh, I'd appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I got that last night. Um, half Did 11. <laughs> half it's 11. true though. It's true. I went into a petrol station and a grown man oh. came over to me and he said, wah, 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 wah. Uh, can I see your arse? <laughs> really? <laughs> and I was like, well, this is this is a first. And he's like, yeah, David Cuddy said you have a tight little arse. Well, Greg has big arms. You have a tight arse. Make it over. <laughs> 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 that, that's just the way it's going to be now. <laughs> it's funny. You done the first couple of podcasts with me and I have more people asking me about this than the podcast that I done with Garrett. And Greg and Barry. Yeah, I listened to that podcast and it was like being at the Mart. What? Which kind of Mart? In Mayo? Because all I could hear was numbers. You know, 710, uh, 420, uh, 6.45, uh, Uncle 7.20. It's the same thing as when we first started here. You 8.40. Were, you were talking about earth buzzes and <laughs> all this sort of radio sound stuff. I don't know anything about that either. I had no idea what you were talking about. Horses for courses. Yeah, I suppose, yeah. But um, you were kind of like... People think you're either a Russian spy. Right. No one knows what you do for a living. <laughs> uh, people want to know your background. I have to give the people what they want. Okay. So I tell you what I do for a living. Yeah. So, yeah, it's an interest. Well, it's a tricky one because I do a few different things. But my main thing is I am a social media manager. And so what I would do, I'd be a, a kind of a, what would be the right way to put it? Break it down to me like I'm a five-year-old. Okay, I would go into a business, I would analyze their digital presence and revamp it to bring in more customers, build a brand awareness and ultimately make them more money. So I'm a marketing and business consultant, effectively. Um, is that a, a business that you run? Yes, that's what, what I do. What's that called? Alpha Media. That's Alpha Media. And I, I also work for a radio station and I manage their social media. And your DJ. I fill in for people, yeah. I used to be a radio DJ, but now I just fill in for people whenever they need me. You have a radio voice. <laughs> I it's don't know a, if I do. A, it's a beautiful voice. I have a radio face. It's a, no, oh, no come on. So you that's what I do, yeah. So radio if, face, but a movie star art. <laughs> <laughs> you, can, you can be an arse double for Ryan Reynolds or Tom Cruise. Definitely not. <laughs> My, oh, stop it. Right, let me ask I you. I have enough arse for both a, of us. Just a few little basic questions. Yeah, go on. Because the amount of people, women, asking me about you, it's just shocking. Don't go down that route now. Shocking. That's hey, bullshit. Where are you from? 
Mayo, Castlebar. The town. Yeah, well, no, just outside, a couple of miles outside in the country. So you are a townie or not townie? No, I'm definitely not a townie, no. No, but I'm not a farmer either. We we have no land or no farm or anything, but I didn't grow up in the town, no. Right. No. And sisters and brothers? One brother. Older, younger? Older. Is he in any industry like what you're in? No, he's a guard. He's a guard? Yeah. And your dad was a guard? Yes, sir. That's mad. And I have not even started. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> you, what year did you leave school in? I don't know. Don't ask me years and stuff because I'll just say ah, about 10 years ago for everything. No, but... Um, I'm no good. Year? Uh, honestly. Oh, no. I left in TY. What's the transition year? Yeah. Just got sick to the bollocks of it. Yeah. Did you not like school? So I got bullied a little bit by the local scumbags, the mm. lads that would be kind of up to no good. And Was it a big school? It was a big... Yeah, it was a big boys' school. In your class? Was there many in your class? There was 100 in our year. There's about 110 in our year. All boys. All boys, yeah. Is that weird? Well, I try and you no different. Like. A lot uh, of testosterone running around. Yeah. Were you small? <laughs> sure, I still am small, so obviously I was small. Were you small for your age at that time? I was fat. Like, I was really fat. They used to call me Cannonball. Really? Yeah, because I was the same width as I was. Hi, I think, did I not tell you this before? I thought I did, but anyway. They used to call me Cannonball in school, and then I'd be walking down the corridor, and they'd say, they'd sing that song, Faster Than a Cannonball. Faster than a cannonball. Where and had you, were you and me? a group of friends? Um, not. I had one or two friends. Yeah, that uh, one or two. One. I had one or two really, really good friends actually that really looked out for me. Um, but yeah, I wasn't in the when, football gang. I wasn't in the cool gang or the good. When you weren't enjoying school, why did you decide to do transition year, which just adds a year to school? Because how can you leave school? You can't. Your parents don't let you leave school. You just have to see it out. Everyone is telling you, just get on with it. Get up. Get into school. What are you at? Why aren't you, why aren't you, you out of bed? Even. Get in. Yeah. You can't do anything without your leaving cert. And you can't just say, I'm not going to school. So there was months of um, fighting and kickback and uh, was kicking. Was most of the fighting at home? Yeah. Oh, I was a, I was a little bollocks. Yeah. Were you getting in trouble in school to try and not go to school? Or were you actually good in school and quite? No, to be fair, I don't think I ever got in trouble in school. And if I did, it was never intentional. Um, I got in trouble as in I didn't do my homework. But I'm, I'm actually friends with some of the teachers from school now. And Would you ever ask them what it was like when... No, they knew. They knew there was no harm in me and they knew I had no interest. But they knew... Did you struggle academically? I, not really. I did, I, I did okay in my junior cert, actually. I got three A's, three B's, three C's and a D in my junior cert. So I felt I felt that was fairly all right. I did OK. <clears throat> and I was hanging in there academically like I was I was hanging on. Um, and then I think after that, the teachers, I think a few of them, a few of them would give you a hard time just because they were dickheads, you know, and they felt I'm a teacher and I give you a hard time. But then the lads that really understood kind of knew this fella now, he's not doing the homework. He's up to no good. But he'll be all right, like. I think they felt like... L looking back now at the stuff that you're interested in, yeah. in school, has it a correlation to what you're doing now? No, I was only interested in woodwork because it was the only thing that I could get my hands on. I had no interest in books and writing and learning. And the only subject we did in school that you could get your hands on was woodwork. We didn't have, we didn't have any mechanical or any of that crack, like... Did the um, teacher help? Was the teacher a nice oh, teacher? Oh, he was awful sound. Mm. Yeah, yeah, he was awful sound. And he knew, he knew that I was into it and that's all I was into. 
Yeah. Even so much so that the the junior cert project I wanted, I wanted a slice of a tree and he really went above and beyond to get me that. Everyone else had to use the timber that was there. Give him a shout out. Whatever timber. Ian Kelleher. Yeah. Uh, he had, and he went and he got this bit of a tree and we had to slice it down to make this table. Similar to what's on your wall here. I wanted the table to have the real edge yeah. from the, the tree. And he did. Yeah. What was the point where you went? You just went home. I'm not going back. I'm just not going back. I started going on the hop a lot. Do you, what do you call it? Mitchin. Mitchin. Yeah. So I started going on. I bought a motorbike. I was working, you see. I was always working. I started working when I was 14. I, I started doing, um, I started working in a car wash. So every Saturday morning, I would deliver sandwiches from six o'clock in the morning till 10 o'clock. A fellow would pick me up in a transit van and he'd be dying from the night before. Chancy. And he would just park up outside the shop, send in 12 sandwiches in there and take out the ones. And he used to use me because I would take the returns. And I was only 14 and I was this young, innocent lad. And half the time I was taking the returns out of the shop and the shops didn't even see me taking the returns. Oh. So he was making money. Yeah. I sure I didn't know what I was at. And every time I came out with the returns with no docket, he was loving life. You were making him bank. Effectively, I was stealing. How long did you stay at that? I did that for a couple of years. I was getting two pounds an hour. But there had to be a point where you went, right, I'm making a few pounds on a Saturday. I'm yeah. making a few pounds at the sandwiches. School is just, like, did something happen in school that you went, uh, just, I can't, I can't do it anymore. There was a big blow up and I think uh, dad found out I was mitching. Yeah, I got reported overtaking a car going into Westport. I had a motorbike. I bought this 80cc motorbike for 2,050 euros. And one day, Dad said to me, uh, were you in school today? I said, I was, yeah. And he said, I'll ask you one more time. And I Dared. A, yeah, I, no, I've a really, really, I'd always had a really good, honest, straight relationship with Dad. You know, I could say anything to him. Mm. And you just didn't lie to Dad, you know. But he said to me, were you in school today? And I said, no. I said, I was, yeah. And he said, I'll ask you one more time. Were you in school today? I said, fuck, I was in school today. Leave me alone. And then he said, no, you weren't in school today. And then there was the big bang. Then there was the big hullabaloo. And, and you, you, were you never believe a word I say. <laughs> and what you just said, that's it. I'm not going back. I hate it. There was a, then that that's when it started. That's when I started kicking back and saying, no, I'm not going in there and I don't like it. And um, there was a big row and there was slamming doors and there was shouting and roaring. And, you know, there was this, that and the other. And then he gave in and he said, uh, well, if you're not going to school, you're going working. And he rang uh, the owner of a building company and he said, will you give Alan a job? He wants to be a carpenter, which I did mm. at the time. I enjoyed timber and I said, I I'd love to be a carpenter. And he said, I'll give him a job. And dad said to him, will you work the shite out of him? And on Friday, he'll go back to school. And your man, I'm not messing with you. It was he tested. the hardest week of my life and I loved it. And on Friday, dad said to him, how did he get on? And he said, you know what, Justin? Maybe school isn't for him because he's a great British stuff. And I'll never forget, I had this uh, tool belt mm. and I had this fancy hammer, an East Wing hammer. And some of the lads on the site didn't even have these East Wing hammers because I don't know, I got it off somebody else. Somebody else gave it to me at the time. They're so saying, when you walked in with this East Wing hammer, they thought this fella, this the big dick in town. This guy, this. this guy knows his timber. <laughs> <laughs> and I was, it was a hand-me-down East Wing from somebody else. But it was nearly, ha it was hitting off the back of my calf. Because <laughs> I'm so mad. small. And sure, half the lads on the site were pissing their holes laughing at me. It's mad, mad because... Um, I didn't know you were a carpenter until someone messaged me. Right. Uh, and they said, oh, that was a good fucking carpenter, that lad. He was... Are you serious? Job. Yeah. Right. How long we had? A couple of years. 
I, I could, I could. And were you learning the trade? Yeah, I went in through FOSS and done all that crack as well. Yeah. And then I was on, I was working for this company and it was all first fixing and shuttering. And it was all concrete and it was oh, all, there was nothing sexy tough. about it. And I wanted to do the sexy stuff. I wanted to hang doors and, and do the skirt and architrave and maybe fit a kitchen. And I started working for this fella then who was doing the, all that stuff. And we were doing an apartment block in Westport. And I think what, really what I feel happened was, as we were going on and on and on doing it, he realised he underpriced it. And he started getting thicker and harder to work for every week. Pissing you off. And really putting the pressure on you. And the whole apartment block was built in a curve. So if I went in and done the windowsill board in apartment A, the windowsill board in apartment B was wider again because the whole building was curved. So it was taking forever to get through these apartments because everything was handmade. Yeah. The same, no, no, there was no two things the same in any apartment. And one day he came into me and he says, Jesus Christ, are you still in here? And I said, I am, yeah, but I'm, I, I was breaking my hole. Well, one thing about me is I was never lazy and I never, nobody could ever say that fella skived or that fella was mm. lazy. And I was breaking my hole and this fella came into me one day and he said, are you still in here? And blah, blah. And he was giving me a hard time and this was going on and on and on for weeks. And he said to me one day, is it a case of the dog wagging the tail or the tail wagging the dog with you? Mm. And I had no idea what he meant, but I just knew, I just said, I oh, know you can go fuck yourself now. And I left, I walked out. And were you driving the motorbike, sir? No, I had a van, a, a Citroen Zara van. I had one of them. I don't know what year it was, zero, zero or something. or 1.9. 98. Really slow. <laughs> <Yeah>. First. <laughs> <laughs> Second. <laughs> Third. <laughs> uh, and the fucking clutch cable used to go on them. Yeah. And off and uh, yeah, an, an interesting story. I had left, I'd walked out of a couple, I was doing a few bits and pieces. I was working in Duns on the side and I was working here and there and doing, I always had two jobs. But if I was ever disrespected. What were you doing with your money? Uh, saving it and then I was blowing it on runners and holidays. and right, Young people stuff. Yeah, nothing mad really. Uh, I, I'm trying to get to how... Did you end up a DJ? <laughs> so I'll tell you how I became a DJ. The guy who owned the building company, the first one I started with, he owned a nightclub. And I started learning how to be a DJ through his nightclub. How? Because I was working on the local radio station. I started on a pirate radio station. But how did you go? Like, you just, I'm doing a bit of hammering carpentry and I go, yeah. Noah. So I was working on a, on a pirate radio station and, and my, my name was DJ Alan Mack. <laughs> so original yeah, and it was we Alan were, Mack Say it Say DJ, the way you said it DJ Alan Mack In the mix <laughs> So we was in a garden shed Out in the back end of nowhere And it was highly illegal And the station I'm working for now Obviously would Would Try and close it down Because it was taking listeners Or whatever You know It's against the law And I was working And we in, hate that But I really wanted to be in radio I loved radio and Did you love listening to it? I loved, I, oh, I loved, I loved listening to radio so much that when my dad would have a meeting in Dublin, I'd ask him, could I go to Dublin with him? And I'd sit in the car listening to all the radio stations all Music day Music or talk? Music. Music and the talk in between the music. Who's your favourite DJ? Oh, I don't know. Ever? Yeah. Oh, I couldn't, I couldn't pick one. No. Tony Fenton? No, no. Harry Gogan? Oh, I don't know. I'd have to think about that. Leave with me for a few minutes. I'd Mine was Jerry Ryan. Because I grew up with him. Yeah. At the time growing up, I used to idolise Ray Darcy. 
And now, and now when you say that, everyone's like, oh, he's a, f- oh, you can't listen to him and he's blah, blah, blah. And he's this, that and the other. He's very different now to what he was doing when we were growing mm. up. He was the man when we were growing up because he was on the den. You know, he was, he was on When, when he was on to have, Today FM first, it was. He was the man. He was the man. Yeah. yeah. Jenny and. The bobblehead Ray. Ray. Yeah. Everyone wanted a bobblehead Ray. Mm. But growing up when he was on the den, I always aspired to be him and. You know, I always wanted to do something like school around the corner or present something like that. I always oh, wanted to. Why would you say that? Why? Now it's in my head. It's the school around the corner just, just the same. same. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> yeah. My school. I, so, I loved Jerry Rain. That's how much I loved radio. I'd sit in the car all day long just listening to radio. Wow. Yeah. And when my dad was younger, he'd say to me, He'd go to Dublin with his dad, but the reason he went to Dublin was to get a bottle of Coke because he couldn't buy Coke in Mayo. It wasn't, it wasn't for sale in Mayo. So he would travel to Dublin. His dad owned a TV shop and he'd go to Dublin to meet these big TV brands. And dad would just go to get a bottle of Coke and, for the day and come home. And then I, years later, I went to Dublin just to listen to the radio. Different times. Yeah. Yeah. So nightclub. So I started working in the nightclub and then you'd get like, I don't know, 150 or 200 euros for a gig. Was and that I, CDs now? Time. Yeah, it was CDs. And I was getting 250 euro for 50 hours working on the building site. I got 252 euros. Or was pounds at the time? I can't remember. But I remember it was 252 for 52 hours. And I was getting that nearly in a night. Wow. So eventually then I gave up. Was the there a lot of prep in that? DJing. Mm. No, but do you know what? For years, I went along with other DJs, learning from them, and he didn't get paid. So I suppose that's the prep. I spent years asking a DJ, can I do the first hour? Or as the nightclub was hopping, you'd say, can I mix two? And you'd mix two songs together, and you'd get that reaction from people, and you'd feel the buzz. And it was like taking drugs. Like, when this second song was coming in, and you just saw people's reaction. It felt like you're just getting you, the vibe from everyone. Oh, you can't beat it. Like, you can't beat that feeling. The women be all over you. No. No, you get that a lot. You get a lot of, a lot of people would say that. Drunk women. Yeah, drunk women would be all over you. And if you were a dickhead, you could, you could have taken advantage and said, yeah, whatever. But no, no, it's not like. So how did you? I never drank, you see. I never drank whilst DJing. Because you drive home. And I always drove it. home. So I wasn't on their level. If I had a few drinks in me and they had a few drinks and you'd be like, oh, is there a party or whatever? And you do whatever. And, but no, you'd be you'd be stone cold sober. They'd be locked out of their minds. So it just wouldn't have ever. There was never any of that crack. How long were you at the pirate stuff until until you went? I Not long. A real job. Not long, because when I wanted to get into real radio, everyone in real radio was telling me, get out of the pirate. You have to get into real radio. So I went into a community station. The interview for that. So what do you mean? For you go into the community station No say, so a job? When you go into the community station They're like Are you half decent Yeah Sound When can you start Because really? cr- you don't get paid It's voluntary So th- if you're halfway decent at all They say Come on in There you've ha- you have a show now Two hours a day For the <laughs> for seven days a week And do you have to do- does everyone use the same news? Which <laughs> <laughs> like, are the news where, is where, the same I know yeah, But where is everyone getting the news? Well a lot of the stations Like Midwest or Galway Bay FM Or Tipperary Like they'd get their own local news But all the national news Comes from the one agency Come, Comes from an agency like 
So they're just reading it off. Here's so the news today, lads. You, yeah, you buy into this agency and they send you all the national news. And so if you everyone had someone real funny and clever in the national agency for news, yeah. buy it. Let's, uh, let's send Galway a big load of shit today. <laughs> 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 let's tell them there's clowns after invading the Leinster House or something. Yeah. And they'd all go, clowns invaded Leinster House. <laughs> yeah, President Putin buys Tato Park. It's <laughs> <laughs> very funny. <laughs> anyway, back, I've, I've drifted. Yeah. So, so you went into the community station. And then in the community station, I got uh, recognised then by the regional station, Midwest. They poached you? Yeah. Like, well, it not so much poached me, but I got a phone call to say that I was doing really well and to stick at it. And uh, I went and I'd done a course then. And one of the presenters from that station was doing the course. What's the course? What's the course? I did a CCFE course in journalism. Like, What did you do there? I went into this um, further education college. And you spend five days a week for a few months learning how to write scripts and uh, how to make a jingle and how to put two clips together. Is it good? Yeah, it was fine. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, it was good. You see, I, I had already known a lot of that. from I had learned it already from the, from the community station. But I just needed to get recognised and say, get a little bit of paper and get your man to say, yeah, he's not too bad. Yeah. So they gave me a Saturday morning show then. Once you had that cert. Well, I didn't need the cert, but it was just that I, I kind of got a, a built up a, re, um, a relationship with the man who was given the course, who's now actually the station manager of where I work. And I suppose when you're doing your show, you don't need anyone to help. You can do everything. Yeah. Yeah. So you prep your whole show and... You do everything, yeah. Well, that's the thing about radio. There's no one job. There's nobody working in radio that only does one thing because there's not that much money in it. So you have to be able to double job. You have to be able to do two or three different things. Do you know, so if your man, you know, your man doing the news might be able to do a bit of sport or your man doing. So if, take Alan, for instance, I can go in and I can cover a fella that's sick or I can make an ad or I can do social media or. So you know. and if you go into your radio station and you're on morning, afternoon or night. Yeah. Are you like that's a whole other show, whole other way of talking. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. So like next week I have to do a country show. And you have to like. You know, it's a totally different audience and it's totally different songs and totally different music. And you have to not not change, but you have to know your audience. Do you love music? Yeah, I love music. Yeah. All different types? I love all different types. 70s, 80s, 90s. Country? That, not really. No, I'm not a big fan of country. No, no, I'm just fired. You just fired in. You just have to do it. But no, I'm not a massive fan of country. So how did you, how many years did you do just doing DJ? Just DJ? About 15. And had you, that's a lot. Yeah. Well, 15 years doing nightclubs and you see, because I was one of the first DJs that had that really zoned in on Facebook and I had a website and I was selling hoodies and I was like the David Cuddy of DJing back then. And at any point did you go, I want 2FM or I want the big league? Did you tr did you try to get them? Or no. why, why didn't you? I never tried. I maybe I never believed in myself enough. Maybe I never thought I was good enough. I don't know. I never pushed myself for a national station, no. No. Never. But you must listen to a lot of them and they're <laughs> gimps. <laughs> you <laughs> must just me. <laughs> you must listen to a lot and think, geez, they're shite. I listen to a, I, I, what we do yeah. in forestry and anyone driving lorries and machines, all we do is listen to radio. Yeah. So you, you get up in the morning and we'd listen to radio and the morning show was always just loads of music. It could be 80s and you had like Anne-Marie Kelly and yeah. Louise Duffy were always on in the morning. They're really good. She was brilliant. And I remember Ian Dempsey when he was on in the morning early and 
then I loved Jerry Ryan because he, we I learned nearly everything I know about life at the start. Yeah. Jerry Ryan, because you didn't know what you were going to listen to every day. Yeah. And there's none of that anymore. And now, since radio has changed in the last 10 years, it's just, it's so airy-fairy, isn't it? It's yeah. like trying to be everything to everyone. But isn't that life? No. Isn't everything gone airy-fairy and yeah. politically correct and just yeah. gone bleh? It's just so bleh. Everything. So, like, does, does, is that why you don't love radio as much or do you still love radio as much? No, I definitely fell out of love with it. I I used to do a breakfast show here in Galway and um, I had to get up at four o'clock in the morning and it nearly killed me. I did it for over two years and I was just like physically and mentally and emotionally drained and I just had to say, lads, I can't do it anymore. I can't do it. It was either move to Galway or pack it up. And you couldn't, it couldn't pay you. It didn't pay you to move to Galway. So I just packed it in. Um, and that was it then. I lost, like I have no desire to get my own show again. Like I've no, and it's a great way to be because everyone, uh, the one thing, the one really interesting thing about Midwest is it's everyone that's there is there since day one and everyone's secure and everyone knows their job. But in nearly every other radio station, there's an awful lot of insecurities and people don't know. They're living month to month on their JNLRs. And Midwest is the most listened to radio. What's the JNLR? The, the listenership. So that's how radio stations are rated. And that's how... How do people know what they're listening to? There's actually a survey done. I've never been asked. No, I know. It's very controversial. Uh, there's a survey done and people are asked, what radio station do you listen to in the morning, the afternoon, night time? Who do you listen to? And they tick all these boxes. And then every two or three months, the radio station is told, well, Midwest is number one. Highland is number two. Uh, whatever is number three. So Midwest is top. Like, they're the most listened to radio station in the country. And all the presenters are very safe and secure. And they're very good at their job. And they're respected by their management. And there's no insecurities. And there's no dickheads. And everyone's sound. But in some of the smaller stations where you're living on these figures, like you're... You're biting your nails when these figures are coming out. You're having a sleepless night the night before thinking, if I drop three or four thousand listeners, that's it. It's game over. And that can happen. They can turn around and say, geez, you went down six thousand listeners there. Game over. But you could go up six thousand and they'll say, oh yeah, sure. That's grand. Another way you know a nice little bit about social media, because it's the business that you're in. Yeah. And you also know radio. Yeah. Do you not think radio is dead? No, definitely not. No, no, it's not dead. No, it's definitely not dead. Is it going through a transition? Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely going through a transition and it it it's depending an awful lot more on podcasts and social media. And social media is a big part of it now. So you might watch a clip from Today FM and you'll see Pamela <coughs> Joyce doing a clip from talking to somebody on a radio show. And that might be the only bit of radio you listen to that day. Or say, for instance, uh, the bad jokes, you know, Dave's bad jokes on Today FM. Like you always see these videos popping up on your timeline. Do you see them? No. no. Dave's bad jokes. Uh, I think the transition is that the, you have to, it's a full package now. It's not just radio. But I think some local radio stations are struggling. See, when the option, there was no option back years ago. You just, you pick the show. Yeah. At, in the evenings, you'd, on the way home, you'd listen. Obviously, people that listen yeah. or have time to listen. So now you can choose what you can listen to. Back then, right, I'll change the dial. I'll listen to Matt Cooper. And you're supposed to listen to unbiased whatever he's talking about. Yeah. And when you get a bit cleverer and you go, there's nothing unbiased about this. And when you have podcasts, you can direct 
what you're listening to. Yeah, definitely. Maybe the like the speech uh, shows are changing a lot. But I'm working in a station that's very rural, and people and a lot of people that outside that area don't get it. But if your dog goes missing and you ring Midwest Radio, we'll find your dog in half an hour. And that's not me big headed like No, I know what you mean. I'm saying Is it an older crowd? It's an old it's definitely an older crowd. It's definitely an older audience. Or if say for instance at Christmas there, this fella rang us up and he wanted to do a promotion with sausages. You know, and he wanted to do these hampers. And then he rang us a week later saying, I need to stop. Like I'm running out of hampers. I don't have enough hampers. And then that's when you say to yourself, Well, a radio is alive. It's alive and well. But some so if you're if you come down to a, a place like Galway that's competing with five or six different regional stations and then you've got classic hits and then you've got Flirt FM and you've doing it's very, very hard to compete in that market. So the Do you know of, many young people coming into it? No, she can't. You can't get into it. It's impossible to get into. It's really hard to get into. Because the money isn't there. It's not there's very few people in radio that can live just off the radio. Like you need a side gig. You need something on the side. Would People must be trying to poach you all the time. There's I, not many young people your age. Yeah, at what you're doing. I don't like. Yeah, I even on my own podcast, I hate talking about myself, and I don't. You know, I I would get offers every week. Yeah, not oh, for yeah. not for radio now. Yeah, but for loads of stuff. For marketing jobs, mm. and people would say, "Yeah, I would." Every week, I'd get an offer. And do you ever like think of them? Yeah. Oh, there. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. No, definitely. You, you consider. You say, oh, geez. Um, like yesterday, I got a phone call um, from a hotel and I studied hotel management for a while and I worked in the hotel that had the nightclub and oh, it, it crossed my mind and I thought, you know, there's a bit of buzz to that now. And then I thought, working weekends again and <laughs> dealing with drunk people. Not why why did hope. you start the media business? I always had an interest in media and even from my own Facebook page when I built up DJ Alan Clark. I was kind of ahead of the curve. I had 10,000 followers as DJ Alan Clark or whatever. And people thought, geez, you're famous. You know, the same way they do now when they mm. have 50,000 followers. They say, oh, geez, you must be 74% famous. But when you, ha- I had a website. And sure, back then, nobody really had websites. And, but like anyone now can go on and buy a website for 100 euros. Mm. But there was your man that had 5,000 followers on Facebook and he had a website and he was selling hoodies. People assumed that you were something. And then the big nightclubs came and approached you and they wanted you to do a night. And it was all just this kind of smoke and mirrors thing. You just look a little bit bigger than you are. And then I got into that and it's kind of, it's interesting how people perceive things, you know. And I love going into a business like David Cuddy's Hoodies and saying, right, how can we sell more hoodies? And, and who's, your, who's your target audience? And what do you want to sell? And what do you want to achieve? And then coming back six months later and saying, well, yeah, we smashed those targets and we did X, Y, and Z and we completely transformed it. What I, I suppose the buzz I get the most is going into a business that think, Ara, sure, no, I've always advertised in the paper and the radio and that's all I've ever done and that's all I'll ever do. And then you say, well, give me that five grand and let me spend that five grand for you for the next six months. Mm. And then they say, Jesus, that was great. But you're still given the radio the little touch and you're still given the newspaper the little touch because for some businesses... They depend on that. Some bus- like some businesses. I say it because you're so focused on stuff like that. Yeah, you, you could go into a business. You focus on that. You push it, but you don't push yourself enough. No, definitely, yeah. So, like, I I talk to you, and you're like, 
you're so you doubt yourself the whole time oh, I definitely do yeah if I put the effort into myself that I put into other, other people I'd be a millionaire yeah I would yeah and a lot, of, a lot of people say that to why me why is yeah. that like you've 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 done everything you want to do and anything you put your mind to you've done it yeah so how come you make you you think you can't do other it's things? not that I I don't know it's not that I don't think I can I, I honestly don't have the time like it's very hard I'd love to work three days a week or two days a week and put the other two days into me but then who pays the bills like who pays the rent and the car and feeds the dog you know I'm kind of stuck between a rock like I'm I've one foot on each side of the ditch now at the minute which ditch do you find the most exciting I don't know if I get that excited about things I don't get excited your social media has blew up in the last you've put effort into that in the last seven months seven or eight months you've started actually posting stories creating content but I always did that it's just people never seen it so I had two and three thousand followers for five or six years doing the exact same thing that I'm doing now. Only people never saw it. I haven't changed. What happened? That I put up a reel. That, that changed my uh, one Instagram reel. The donkey one. Not the donkey one, the how to be an influencer one. I came on one day saying, hi guys, big yeah. news coming soon. Uh, oh my God, it's so exciting. I can't tell you what it is. Bang, just exploded. And then a donkey walked into my garden the Friday night after and then this donkey gate exploded. It's in my highlights. And everyone just loved that because I was chasing a donkey up and down the road. I just got worried about these donkeys. I was afraid they'd get hit by a car. So I was chasing them to try and get them back into my garden so I could lock them in for the night. So you the nose media. That's your yeah. business. Yeah. And overnight you're... It goes mad. Yeah. What? What's your head saying? What do you do? What, what's your plan? I didn't have a plan, only that I had the big news coming soon. So, which was a complete spoof. It was just me pulling the piss out of people, saying I have big news coming soon. And then everyone was coming up to me on the street saying, ah, what's the big news? How are things big news? And there was one day I went into this deli in Castlebar and I was getting a breakfast roll and your man comes out to me and he goes, he, he leaned into me and he goes, what's the big news? <laughs> and he was genuinely, he wanted to know what the big news was before everyone else. And he was, and, and I looked and I stood back at him for a second and I looked and I kind of thought he was messing. But he was, he was so serious and he wanted to know. And I sat in the car and I said, fuck, I, I need to do something. And that's the first day when I thought, this, this big, big, big news better turn into, I better turn this into something. And then what do you do? Do you get a mug or do you get a hat or do you get a hoodie? And then I just thought, I don't want to be doing what everyone else is doing. No offence. <laughs> do you do travel mugs? You, you have to find your own way. Do I buy a, a forwarder? Like, and then I just said, I need to do something different. And then because Cookie is a big part of my life, the dog, people assumed it was going to be a dog bed. And I went down that route and I spoke to a couple of people about dog beds and dog clothes and jackets and everything. And as you know, from getting your own stuff, it's very hard to get things. Mm. And I went into my insights and I did for me what I do for every business. And the first question I asked was, who's my audience? Who, who is it? And my audience is 85% females over the age of 35. And I thought, what do I sell them? And then I thought, well, I'm not going to be able to get leggings. Maybe headphones, but then I had an issue with the chargers that I couldn't stand over the chargers and I didn't want to put myself in that situation. And then I thought, gin. Most women love gin. 
So I approached a distillery and I told them that I had uh, an order from a supermarket that I didn't have at all. <laughs> and he said, sound. So then I went to the supermarket and told them I had a distillery that I didn't really have either at that stage. So I was playing one off the other. You bluffed it. And both of them agreed. And I brought out gin then before Christmas. And it was nice. And it was cookie gin. And I told them I had big news coming soon, big news coming soon. And then the big news was the gin and it exploded and it took off. But the one thing I'll say about it is one thing I learned from that was from you. And I rang you one day about the price of your travel mugs. Mm. And I said, David, 23 euro is a fucking outrageous price for a travel mug. And you said, I don't care because they're brilliant. I don't care how much they are, Alan, because they're really good travel mugs. And I did the same with the gin. So when I went to the distillery, I said, I don't care how much it is, but I just want everyone to like it. Mm. And I want it to be good. It's and better I, It's better to have someone say it's too expensive than she. And you had you had a huge part to play in that. And when we went to when I went to the supermarket and I told him it was 44 euros a bottle, he laughed. He laughed at me. He said, you're not going to sell 10 bottles. He said, you're honestly not going to sell 10. He said, we'll buy 10 off you, sale or return. Uh, and that's all we're going to buy off you. And then I went to a local supermarket back home and he he just liked me. He just he I just had a bit of crack with him. And I said, this is what I'm at and this is what I think we'll sell. And he committed 300 bottles. And he said, but it was sale or return as well. But he said, we'll put 300 on the shelves for you. And in 10 days, we sold a thousand. I told you you would. Yeah, you did. <clears throat> I told you you would. You did, yeah. It's, it's very difficult when you're doing social media. You start putting time into it. Yeah. And it's a lot of time. And you give away yourself. Yeah. And you have to try and monetize it. And to stay independent and monetize it, you have no choice but to sell something. Yeah. And I noticed when I started looking for promotional stuff, it's all rubbish. Yeah. Most of it's rubbish. And you can get the rubbish and you can sell the rubbish chain and you can get your stuff fierce cheap and you can charge people the shy hoes. But you just feel like a prick. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't make any money from the chain and I actually, my last bill came in yesterday and put me a little bit below the target and, and under. Uh, so I lost actually. I thought I'd break even. Mm. But I actually lost money from it. But I don't mind because, as I said to you, not one single person contacted me and said it's piss. No. Now, maybe it, not everyone likes gin. Mm. That's fine. And an awful lot of people bought it just to support me. But you have that when you're building something. Yeah. And you're building trust. Yeah. And you're building trust in a brand. Yeah, well, that's why I went to Germany. I went to Germany to this woman who, was, who, uh, who I was told by so many people was the best in the world. And I said, will you make me a gin? And she was flat out. She was going to India one week and she was going to Canada the next week. And I just knocked a bit of crack out of her. And she loved the whole story of the dog. And I said, I'm going to call him a cookie gin and I'm putting my dog on the front of it. And she loved dogs. And she said, yeah, I'll do it for you. <laughs> she had to be paid as well. Yeah. But like the fact that she got involved was massive. Like I was having all these massive wins along the way. But it's um, exciting, though, I'd say. Everyone says that to me, but I didn't, I, I was, you were busy though, up to my tits in nerves and anxiousness. And I didn't know where people going to buy it. And then you had to commit to so many bottles and then you've committed to 2000 bottles and you don't know if you're going to sell 20. I don't know how many times I was talking to you on the phone and I was like, you're grand. I rang you plenty of times and I said, sell them. You're fine. David, what am I doing here? (laughs) I was like, you're grand. Yeah. Chill out. Have a bit of fucking faith. I did. I did. I rang you a couple of times and I said, I'm out of my depth. And then I rang my brother a couple of times and I said, I'm out of my depth. And the two of ye kept me on the straight and narrow. Yeah. You have to have more faith. Yeah. You have to, and you have to have faith in your followers, your core followers. 
I was talking to a fella last week. A fella brought me in last week to help him sell a product. And he said to me, you know, I need you to give me a hand selling this product or whatever. And then he said, but, you know, it's not like the gin now. You know, you were taking the piss out of people with that. Why did he say that? And it's the first time where somebody was negative about it. Did you say it to him? I did, yeah, I did. I said, do you mind me asking what you're on about there? And he said, ah, you know, you were taking the piss out of people because you don't drink gin. And I said, but why did that make you, why did that make me take the piss? Like, why do you think I'm taking the piss out of people? I said, because, you know, because, you know, you know, I'm not being, I'm not being disrespectful, but you don't drink gin. And I said, but if I was taking the piss out of people, I could have got cheap gin Mm. and sold it for a a premium price. But I didn't. There's my phone ringing. I got premium. Asian Isle. People looking to sell my shares in Asian Isle. (laughs) (laughs) I said I got premium gin and sold it for a premium price. And that's the only negative conversation I've had about it. That person last week. Any negative online about it? A couple at the start um, kind of saying I shouldn't be promoting it and my younger followers and I'm pushing alcohol to younger followers. But I genuinely don't have younger followers. My The thing I worry about with my, and I'm always saying to you, geez, I can't put that on my page, is mothers would say to me, my son loves the donkeys or my daughter loves cookie. And that's why I'm always conscious I, of trying not to curse and trying not to do these things. But I don't have many followers under the age of 30. I just don't have that many. I think it's mad that you can have followers all over 30 and you're worried about saying certain words. Yeah. Because people would like, there was this, there was this young lad in Westport and myself and a friend of mine were in a coffee shop and he ran in the door to me and he said, excuse me, are you the donkey man? And I said, yeah. And he said, oh, my mom said you were him and I wanted to say hi. And he goes, hi. And ran out the door That's again. nice. Yeah. And that's why I'm so conscious about it. Yeah. yeah. And that makes sense. A lot, a lot, like honestly, a lot. Most people I would meet, they would be either in their early 20s and say, my mum follows you. <laughs> or they'd be in their 30s and say, my daughter loves cookie. So that's why I'd be conscious about it. I know, I get that. Yeah. My, my follow, I'm so used to just saying what I want because yeah. my followers are of an older crowd. And I've always put my stuff down as over 18s. Yeah. I've never ever told anyone that my stuff is for kids is not for kids. <laughs> 100% it is not for kids. Yeah. I direct my stuff. I don't know who I direct it for. I just try to just be me. Yeah. Well, that, yeah, that's the main thing, yeah. I do that as well. Well, I, I didn't, I'm in awe of people like you. Why? When, when I first started chatting to you, the whole idea of because I started doing social media and the longer I was at, and you can probably agree with this, when you get to a certain stage at, you start to feel the pressure of it mm. and how constricted it can make you feel yeah. and how horrible people are, how nice people are and how you interact with two, with each other. Yeah. Because you, know, you can't let down some people, but you have to really learn to manage the negative mm. and you just have to, it, it's, it's a learning curve. You, you got a little bit frustrated with it as well. Yeah, I took two weeks off. It's the first time ever. I took two weeks off from it. And I came back a couple of days ago. And I said, I didn't make a big deal out of it. I didn't say oh, I was off for two weeks and mm. people are annoying my hole. But I just, I, I just came back and I said, how are you? I'm out here cutting the hedge or whatever. And straight away then I started getting abused for cutting the hedge. But I bet it gives you more empathy for people doing social media now. now that you, because oh, you have yeah. that industry. You know what's involved in it. 
Yeah. And you'd love to tell people that are getting into it. You know, when you see young people getting into it or older people. I'd love to do that. I'd love to go into schools, talking to schools. So would I. About social media. And the reality of it. Because I managed uh, like over 30 or 40 accounts. Singers, shops, influencers. And I see from so many different angles and so many different personalities and so many different age groups that I have a, a really good handle on it, like from from different industries. And I even look at my niece and nephew and I'm terrified, absolutely terrified of them being on mm. social media. And you know who you are as a man. You yeah. know where you are. Yeah. You know your direction. Yeah. And it was able to get to you. Mm. Oh, it got to me last night. Last night, I uh, I nearly went on a big rant last night, and Kieran talked me out of it. You know the whole crack, the whole crack yesterday with the signing up to the agency. Oh yeah, he signed up. <laughs> he's a he's a model now. No, I'm not a model. He is. He's an art model. <laughs> Wait, is it the Andrea Roach agency? Yeah, yeah, an art model for the Andrea Roach. <laughs> no. So when movies come into Ireland and they want an art model, they email uh, Andrea Roach, and Andrea goes, yeah. If you want an arse model, my best arse model <laughs> is Alan Clark. It's like that Father Ted moment. Are you looking for a peachy arse? <laughs> no, I'm looking for a fat arse. <laughs> I have a fat arse. So, yeah, I've been battling with this for the last number of months because when your page takes off, a load of agencies are ringing you saying, sign up to us, sign up to us, and we want to do this, and we want to sell this, and we blah, blah, blah. And when you're a male influencer... And I don't know if this is disrespectful or not, but I'm going to say it anyway. There's not many male, straight, West of Ireland influencers. There's not that many. They don't exist. So when you're a straight, male, West of Ireland influencer, agencies look at you a little bit different than other people or females that are doing makeup. Like mm. there's loads of muas and there's loads of this, that and the It'd other. It'd be difficult for me to sell my straighter and stuff. So genuinely, I was in this really good position that I had loads of agencies ringing me. I had an agency onto me today from Milan. No word of a lie about a, a, trying to sell a wine. And um, I don't where was I going with this story? So I didn't sign up to any of the agencies because I didn't know what I was getting into. And then I didn't want to give away anything. That I, did. I suppose I wanted to know my own value before I signed up. So I, I did the gin and I did a thing with, with Derry. And I did something with the Connacht Hotel Group and the Residence Hotel. So I wanted to know my own value before I, I signed up to an agency. So yesterday I bit the bullet and signed up with Andrea Roach. And then the messages started coming in. Oh, you're such a sellout. And uh, oh, my God, roll on the toothpaste ads now. And uh, if you start brushing your teeth, I'm going to unfollow you. This is ridiculous. You know, so yesterday evening then I just thought, ah, oh, fucking hell. You know, here we go again. I don't get that. And then from my followers, I it, don't get that. It was care. And then that said, look, Alan, you know, just don't let them get to you, you know, but they did. They got to me yesterday evening for a little while. And then, but I like, I'm, I'm really tired the last couple of weeks. I'm doing too much and I'm fucking wrecked. And this week we've the Charlie Bird climb on Saturday and I'm working around the clock. And then when the couple of negative messages come in, they just get to me because I'm wrecked. And I need somebody to say, Alan, you're tired. Go and have a nap. <laughs> or have a Snickers. You're not you and you're hungry. <laughs> Stop that. <laughs> and then you're sound again. You're sound again. So I woke up this morning fresh as a daisy and ready to take on the world. But they just got me at the wrong minute. So what does the agency do for you? Um, what are they taking away from you to make your life easier? 
they're taking away all the, the shite emails of people ringing you saying, will you come down and will you promote our mushrooms for Mushroom Day on Saturday the 24th and we'll give you 40 euros. Mm. When really they're going to or sell... a box of mushrooms. They're going to sell about... Yeah, or a box of mushrooms. And they're going to sell about six grand worth of mushrooms from one of your posts. And the agency will turn around and say, well, we can guarantee you probably somewhere between five and six thousand euros worth of sales. So you need to pay him a little bit better. And I have these, like, you know, when we went to Derry and we stayed in a lovely Airbnb and then the bookings started coming straight in for the Airbnb. And you know your value, like, mm. you know, if I give away a discount code, I gave away a discount code for a clothes company once. And, you know, they told me the value of that. I didn't get paid for it, but I just did it to find out how much. And that's why these these agencies, are, that's why these big companies like McDonald's and Coca-Cola so once upon a time, Coca-Cola would go to Kim Kardashian and give Kim Kardashian two million and say, here, Kim, will you drink a can of Coke? And she'd do it. But now you'll notice Coca-Cola are splitting that two million across 100,000 yeah. micro-influencers because they're selling way more Coke from giving Coke to David Cuddy. Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola to David Cuddy and Alan Clark than they are to Kim Kardashian because it just makes more sense because more people are genuinely invested in what you say and what I say than Kim, than Kim Kardashian because they're like, oh, there's Kim again. She got paid to do that. Whereas when David Cuddy's drinking it, they're like, fair play, David. The majority of people are like, you know, where fucks you? That's class. You know, you're working with Coca-Cola now. And 90% of your followers are saying, well, geez, that's mighty. David Cuddy's good old crack and he drinks Coca-Cola, so I'm going buying a can of it. Now, they don't know that they're actively going out buying it, mm. but the brand is out there and it's more brand awareness and the sales are going up. So that's why it's better for these big, huge companies to be using micro-influencers like us than giving their one big budget to Kim and saying, there you go, Kim, there's two million, good luck. I don't see me ever getting a piece of Kim's money. <laughs> I'd I, like, I'd fucking flog me on stuff. If Kim had your cunts. money, she could burn her own. Oh, I wish. I know, there's a good one here that'll link to that. Where do you see it going? Where would you like to see it going in the next five years? Signed up to the agency. <sighs> So you have a plan, obviously, in mind. I don't. I don't have a plan. I what don't. would you like to happen? Even when I signed up to the agency, we had a good discussion and they were saying to me, I said, I don't want many gigs. I don't want. I don't want to be drinking Coca-Cola and saying, here, oh, here I am with a lovely can of Coke. Did they ask you what you wanted? Um, they asked me the kind of types of brands I would like to work with and who I didn't want to work with. And Would you say you didn't want to work with? Is that a question? There's a particular toothpaste, maybe. That I just feel is a little bit oversaturated at the minute. That I'm not going to mention. And there's a couple of brands like that that I just feel are kind of... I just... I just I want to work with brands that I can associate with. So if there's a if there's a brand out there that... Kandiasen. That... Huh? <laughs> what? What did you say? Kandiasen. What's that? It's the Trush Cream. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. <laughs> but no. Have a few babies. If there's something that I can tie into my everyday life, like I love going out hiking and messing with the dog. Uh, so like if I can t team up with a leisure wear company or if Cookie can get a new bed out of it or get some treats out of it, happy days. But I'm not interested in doing a gig every day of the week for the sake of doing a gig. I'm not going to come on here and say, hmm, my favourite water is River Rock and just Isn't take the money. It's a very frustrating thing that it tends to be the brands that you want to work with near you just make an ego of you. They don't respect you at all. Yeah. I've learned an awful lot. Jesus, since I since I got the 50,000 followers and brought out the gin, I have learned 
who my friends are, number one. I have friends that I never knew existed and the people that I thought had my back didn't have it at all. That's the first thing. And the brands that you helped out along the way have no interest mm. in giving you money or paying you what you should be given. There's, there's such snakes out there. It's a snake pay. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, you're 100% right with the businesses. It's the it's the businesses that you supported and helped along the way. And they kind of turned their back on you then. And they're like, oh, hang on, we have to pay you now. Mm. But like, and then you're saying, but I'm bringing in big business to you. And they're like, I ah, know. <laughs> Thanks for that. But uh, no, we're not going to be giving you money for it. Good luck and fuck you. Yeah, we'll, we'll get on to the next, the next thing that's breaking or the next, you know. And the best of luck to them. Maybe they're right. Maybe they're right and we're wrong. You know, maybe we need to be bigger bollockses. I think you have to be, you have to learn to say no. No is the most important thing that you have to say. Because you can't do everything. You're yeah. too busy. Everyone's too busy now. Yeah. Who, who's not busy? Yeah. If you're doing anything. Yeah. I don't know. I don't have, I don't, I don't, I really don't have a clear plan. Um, do you go out? To pubs? Mm. No. Do you go to cinema? Yeah, I love the cinema and I love eating food. Who is, how many best friends have you? You don't have to talk about me in this one. I'd say three. Three. And how long are you friends with them? Uh, I've no problem telling you. My my closest best friend is my brother. And then my other two best friends. Uh, the guts of, well, I don't know, 20, somewhere less than 20 years. Just under 20 years. Yeah. You don't need a lot of friends. Oh, I, like uh, Joey Diaz says, you just need three motherfuckers. I'd be nervous. I'd be <laughs> nervous of people that have a lot of friends. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. And they dwindle as you get older. Like these lads that are inviting four and five hundred to a wedding. Like, who are these dickheads? It was a good few of my wedding. <laughs> but that's, that's if you my had mother four or five hundred to your wedding, you are a dickhead. Mam and dad and parents have to ask loads of people to the oh. wedding. You don't get a choice. Yeah. You'll see. You'll see. Uh, I suppose this is a perfect segue into that's a not question question that's coming in a lot. <laughs> that's not Are you single? Happen. Yeah, I'm single, yeah. Some people think that that's just a facade, that you really are married with three kids and you just <laughs> pretend to be single. No, I'd say, I'd say I'm not Nathan Carter. Like, it's not going to affect my followers if I come on here and say I have a girlfriend. Uh -huh. But I'd say if, if he came on and said, how are you doing? I'm loved up now and I have two kids. I'd say his half of his followers would leave him overnight. <laughs> Being a single man, having 50,000 followers on the radio, there must be some amount of women sliding into your DMs, No, there? there isn't. There isn't. No. Is that a lie, Colin? No, it's not. I have no reason to lie. I And, and I don't. I have no reason to lie. I'll tell you exactly how it is. And you asked me coming in. I said, ask me anything. I, I would get, a, I get that question a lot. And I don't know. I don't, I, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't, um, do you get people sliding into your DMs saying how are you getting on? Mostly gay men wanting me to suck their dick or something. Well, I'm not or going to. show me their dick at least. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. The most forward DMs I would get would be from men mm. saying how are you getting on? Are you on, you know, are you in, in, on our, in our bus? And I just say, no, thanks very much. And it's a compliment. And you you know, thanks very much. And, and I was listening it's to lovely your, that you're, you're your podcast. But no. On your podcast. You do a lot of dating Or do you a lot Do you do a lot of dating No Kieran done all the dating I was mostly in relationships And Would you like to be in a relationship Yes I would love to be in a relationship Would you like to have kids Yes Do you think about that much 
I used to, not anymore. When you used to, I used to be. I used to really want to have kids. Like I used to really want the house and the wife and the kids and all that. Like, and but then you just realize you're just ticking boxes because everyone else is ticking boxes. Are you ticking boxes or are you lonely? Would you be? Are you ever lonely? No, I'm not lonely because I learned how to <clears throat> be with myself, and I had to go and talk to somebody to do that. I didn't know how to be my, my by myself. And I had to go and talk to a professional to find out how to be happy in my own company. And I did that. And I needed to be in my own company for a while. Before I realized that, you know, it's grand if you don't have kids and it's grand if you don't get married. And it might not happen. And, oh, you're sound. You're sound being on your own. But ultimately, yes, I would love, I'd love a girlfriend and I'd love... um. I don't know about the whole marriage thing. It doesn't bother me if I get married up or down. It does not. I don't give a shite about marriage. If they want to get married and that's the, and you're happy with them, then happy days that'll happen. Same with kids. If they, if they happen, if they happen, you know. I don't think about Jesus and me swimmers now are slowing down a bit or I'm getting eight. Oh, I'm getting I on. remember when I was. I remember one Christmas and I was after I was out of a relationship that I was in for a long time. A good while. I was out for a long time. Yeah. I was over that relationship. And I thought I was just, I'm loving life. I'm out all the time. And I remember it was Christmas Eve mass. And I was sitting at the back with the lads. We were just having the crack before you go down to the pub for to go home for Christmas Eve. Yeah. And I remember seeing my cousin, uh, Alan is his name. And I remember him up two or three rows up and he had his son in his arms. And it was Christmas Eve. And he was lying into his shoulder and, and, and at that moment I was like, fuck, I really want that. Yeah. I want that more than anything. I look at my niece and nephew and I'm so proud of them. I love them. Like, I'm absolutely obsessed with them. I don't see them as much as I'd like. I don't hang around with them as much as I'd like. And they're at that age now where they're just a bit too cool now for Uncle Alan and, cool, you know, too cool for school. They're heading to teenage discos. But I look at them and, and when I hang around with them, I, I, I always think, ah. Oh, I'd love my kids to be like them. I just so I'm so proud of them and I love them so much. And I'd love to have my own Holly and Ethan. Mm. You know, I'd love to I'd love to make my own babies. But uh, if it happens, it happens. Have you a type of woman? I don't think I do. No, I don't think I do. Um, I, I think she has to be <laughs> into small fellas because that's a big issue. Girls do not want to date small fellas. There's a lot of small women out there. <laughs> well, there might be, but <laughs> like there uh, has to be women that are like you're not like tiny person around. No, but I, I, it's a big issue for women. It has come up a lot. Girls, listen, if you're looking for a top class man, yeah. <laughs> slide into this man's DM. I don't know. Do they think that uh, you know because you're a small dog, you have a small tail? But there's plenty of small dogs out there with big tails. And how big? That's actually <laughs> a question, right? No, it's not. How big is your <laughs> bank balance? Oh, it's in a negative state at the minute. Uh, I'm only learning about VAT and tax and all this kind of crack now. Well, VAT's on pain, oh. fucking dick. But, uh, <laughs> that is a pain in the dick. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, honestly, that's... I No... I get asked a lot. You must get loads of messages, but you only get that from married men. It's only married men that ask you that, or you might be on a date and they'd say to you, oh, I'd say you get loads of messages now. And then you're like, well, have you ever slid into somebody's DMs? And they say, no. 
And then they kind of realise, well, all right, well, maybe you don't then. Because it's not the done thing. Maybe it is. I don't know. Uh, well, like, well, or do maybe... You, do you have a lot of people sliding into your DMs, Connor? No. <laughs> I don't have maybe followers. Maybe there's people that look for it then and then kind of, you know, put it out there a bit more and entertain it a little bit more, but I don't. Are you into cars? Yeah, I've always had a nice car. Always. Dream car? Dream car would probably be, at the minute, an RS6. That's a good choice. Yeah, I drove one from Longford to Castlebar once. I can't get it out of my head. You enjoyed that Porsche too? I did, and I didn't think I would. And when I gave it back, I really miss it. That Porsche was class. It's just a different league. Yeah. What's your dream car? An RS6. Oh, come on, dream a little bit bigger. That's a really... You could go out and buy an RS6 in the morning. No, you, you couldn't. You're talking could. 200, finance. 200 grand. You have no kids. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're, you have 50,000 followers. You're an Irish model. <laughs> if you can't have an RS6 if you want. No, sure, you're talking 200 grand. Are you for, are you for I'd real? say you're frugal as fuck, are you? No, I'm not. I'm not. And that's the... that I don't have a house like... A, that's my problem. I don't I, have a house either. I'm, um, <laughs> I'm too quick to... Uh, no, like if we went for dinner now, I'd be jumping up there paying for it and i just piss away money. Piss it away. Do you piss away a lot of your time that you shouldn't for people? Yeah, I yeah, I do. I do. I give I give people a lot of time and it's my biggest uh, that's my biggest downfall. Not charging enough for my time and giving dickheads time. And you just say it to yourself. Why did I give that dickhead time? And then, but you don't, you don't know at the time they're a dickhead. But then. You have to give everyone the benefit of it. Yeah. And until then, you figure out that they're dickheads. Yeah, yeah. Like there's people last year that I helped a lot. And then it came to the gin. And they just disappeared. Um, they disappeared. Yeah. Absolutely vanished. Were they all women? No comment. <laughs> <laughs> but no, they weren't. No, they weren't. No, no. I no. was just telling Alan on the way up here, there's a crossroads down there. <laughs> <laughs> and it's an awkward little crossroads. You know, just down there. Yeah, yeah, I know the one just down there from the house. And yeah. I didn't see your ones in a care. I just pulled out a little bit and she just started waving. Hang on, can we set the scene? There's a crossroads. Crossroads. And David is on, David doesn't have the right of way. The lady oh. is on the, has the right of way. What was she driving? She's driving some people carrier thing. I'd like what? Like a Ford Sharon or whatever you call those yokes. It was a Citroen Picasso. Citroen uh, Picasso. 202 okay. G. Stop now. <laughs> and David has his big, massive orange Ford Ranger. <laughs> and then he nudges out his big orange Ford Ranger a in front of a, a an intimidated lady in a Citroen Picasso. No. I just. Continue. I just drove out a little okay. and she just blew the horn at me and started shaking her hands. I stopped. I and reversed. you were like, how are you getting on? And I was there, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I put my hands, I went, I'm sorry. And then she put down the window and she goes, I have right away there. I was there, I know. I'm sorry. I didn't see her in a care. She goes, you could have hit me. And I was, I know. I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean it. I didn't see you in a care. If you hit me, you were wrong. And I was there, listen, what do you want me to say? Like, I'm sorry. I can't 
do any more. Yeah. So you've apologised three times yeah. at this stage. And then she says, fucking people like you and your big fucking jeeps taking up the road. And I was like, do you know what you can do? Go and fuck yourself. <laughs> oh, bitch. <laughs> oh, what more can I do? No, in fairness. No. Why is she yeah. so angry? Yeah. There's such angry, angry people out do there. Do you ever get angry? Yeah, with myself. And I get angry at home internally. What do you do with it? What do you do with it? Late, but what I do now is I uh, just go outside, go for a little walk, I chill, I look up in the sky. I, I found this thing that I do when I get angry. I listened to this book, uh, audio book. No, it was a YouTube clip that I kept listening to years ago. And it's amazing. You should try it. When you get all stressed out, you just look up. Just put back your head and look up. This is all it stops. Or just focus on your peripheral vision. And it just calms you down. Every time. That works. It's interesting. It does. Cause I get very frustrated sometimes. What frustrates you the most? Lately. Yeah. Uh, the shop. Your online shop? Online shop, stock, um, work. I've, I've just so much things happening at one time. How do you mean it, it frustrates you? Like, Why does the shop frustrate you? Because it should be easy. I'm trying to... I don't want to sell rubbish. I want to sell nice stuff and I want to give people really good stuff. Mm. But you're trying to get in stock and you're trying to get samples and you're trying to, you have to pay for stock and then you have to get it in. Mm. And if you want to do it and do it properly, like I'm trying to do, you have to get finance. You have to try and get loans. Yeah. And like dealing with banks, dealing with Fastway, dealing with orders, and that's all fine. But I also have my kids and I also have work. And you don't know if anything's going to happen at one time. Like I've purchased stuff and paid for it and didn't get, didn't get it into my hands to sell for three months. And it's paid for three, four months. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And in the middle of all that, you're you're kind of second guessing yourself, and you know you're, you have a house to build and you have kids and yeah. You just you second guess yourself, and you could take the easy money. Like you know, there's easy money to be got at this, but not if you want to stay independent and if you want to stay you. Yeah, you need to maintain your credibility. You know, and that that kind of frustrates me. I don't get frustrated over people anymore. Like, I, I kind of have found a new love for it now, especially since I started the podcast. Because people are kind of seeing the real me, not just the little snippets. Yeah. And they're kind of getting that. I, I just want to chat. And I, I don't care if five people listen to this or 50,000 people listen to it. Yeah. I just want to have normal conversations because I don't think it's happening. That's the most important thing I'd say to anyone. Don't get obsessed with the numbers. And just I get I get frustrated with the... Everything's so fake. Look at like the Oscars. Will Smith. I loved him. Why? You, you thought that was fake? No. I'll tell you what was fake. It was the Oscars. The people were fake. Billions of people watching it. Yeah. Will Smith, I would have. Resp- I thought he's since Fresh Prince of Bel Air, like yeah, yeah, he's the man. And Chris Rock tells a, a joke. It was a harmless joke. It doesn't matter whether he knew she had alopecia or not. It was a harmless joke. Will Smith starts laughing. He's laughing. He looks at his wife. He gets up and he fucking mows this lad, little lad. And here's the weird thing. No, here's the weird thing. Yeah. Let me let me explain first. Okay, you go first. That says way more about his relationship with his fucked up, fucked up relationship with his wife. That he got that tick wow. and he went and hit a lad. 
So it's okay for her to fuck other guys, but don't talk about her hair. Why did she? Yeah, they have an open relationship. She was with other guys. I didn't know that. But imagine the slap happens. He goes back, he sits down, he starts shouting and screaming. And then it's cut. He has to be calmed down. He's not ejected like everyone, anyone else would be. Mm. And then he wins. He gets up and he talks about being a vessel for good and kindness. He gets a standing ovation. The hypocrisy. Yeah. They're all so fucked up. They live in a bubble. Joe Rogan, explained, <laughs> he done a great explanation. Will Smith got up and took a shit on the table and made everyone watch him take a shit on the table yeah. and then sat back down. Everyone had to watch that shit on the table for the whole evening. But he's lost a lot of credibility. Yeah, but, but it was, and then people messaging you, well, oh, why aren't you talking about it? Why aren't you talking about it? Oh, yeah, that wrecks my head, yeah. Who gives a fuck? Mm. It just shows, look at the people you're looking up to. Yeah. Fake. Look at his Twitter. Have you looked at Will Smith's Instagram? I haven't, no. Go no. look at his Instagram. Look at his last 20 videos. They're all like inspirational stuff, isn't it? Inspirational like? stuff. What do they call it? Push uh, the boundaries, blah, ins- blah, blah. Inspirational porn, they call it now. Yeah, I know what you mean. Everyone, Everyone's doing it. Yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean, yeah. Like, wh- why? Why do we do it to ourselves? Why do we- <laughs> it was crazy. Yeah. If you did that, what would happen? Could you imagine if you were, like, what precedent does that say? Well, For, that's in Ireland. In a, like, that's happening in Ireland. So you can listen to the Tommy Tiernan podcast. Mm. Tommy Tiernan can say whatever he wants. He can talk about uh, running over somebody. He can he can be disrespectful. He can talk about, uh, you know, there's, there's loads of incidents, incidences where he has said something that he, that he shouldn't have said. Mm. And then the two Johnnies come on and read out a car sticker. And they're taken off. Mm. Because they're kind of like the weakest link, aren't they? People know that Tommy Tiernan's at the stage now where we just can't get him. He doesn't give a fuck. It doesn't matter if paper's printed. It doesn't matter what he says or what happens. He's, he's, in the, he, he's in the circle. He's untouchable because he's at that level now where he just does not give a fuck what people think. But the two Johnnies, two lads now, they're, they're making a name for themselves. They're hard working. They're putting themselves out there. They're an easy target. And bang. Shot between the two eyes. People jumping on the bandwagon, people that don't know them, people that had no idea about their podcast, anything positive they've done in the last six months, and just jumping on the bandwagon. Wasn't it the Independent that brought out that first article? And the I'm not sure. It was. It was one of those papers anyway. Yeah. And last week they ran an article about cancel culture. Like the hypocrisy of it. Yeah, we're too quick. We're too quick to cancel things. Way too quick to say, oh, cancel that now. We're not doing that anymore. And not have a conversation. Exactly, not have a conversation. Taking the two Johnnies off here was the biggest mistake ever. Mm. Because then... We didn't was we it their mistake or... T- oh, like 2FM, who's, who's accountable there? Who's the boss? You work at a radio station. How is that run? I don't know how 2FM is run, but like there has to be a little bit of give and take. You have to give people a bit of rope to be creative. You have to. Now, the two Johnnies are probably in a very... I don't know. I don't know the two Johnnies. I've never, never met them, never had a conversation with them, don't know anything about them. But from outside looking in, what I would assume is you have two young lads here that the national broadcaster said, right, we need to be a little bit more cool. We need to be a little bit more hip. We'll t- tap into the two Johnnies. We'll give them a TV deal. We'll give them a radio deal. 
we'll get two for the price of one. They're probably not getting paid as much as they should be getting paid for the quality of the content that they're given, mm. the national broadcaster. But these lads are looking at it going, right, I have a big opportunity now to get the drive time show into FM. They've promised us a Christmas special. They've promised us an Easter special. They're going to fly us out to New York, blah, blah, blah. And then suddenly they realise, shite, we're on now by 2FM and we can't really do what we're doing anymore. And we need to be extra careful. But there's pros and cons to that. And the Hardy Books is a very good example. When the Hardy Books were on YouTube, the Hardy Books are this group of lads from Swinford and Mayo. Oh. When they were on YouTube, they were huge. And everyone loved them because they were just brilliant. And you just said, like, half of you is thinking, that can't be real. Or is this scripted? Or is it not scripted? Mm. And you're saying to yourself, is this actually a scripted TV show? Or is it reality TV? And people didn't know. People were like, I've no idea, but we love it. And as soon as that went to TV, it turned to shite. Because it was too scripted. You know? And suddenly it was like, Oh, they call Buzz a, a, a gobshite. And then they have to say, well, why did you call Buzz a gobshite there? And they were like, well, sure, I, we, we just always call him a gobshite. But then suddenly RT are saying, no, but there has to be a bit of, you know, there has to be a bit of, uh, uh, you know, you have mm. to tell us why. You know, where does that come from? Mm. And then suddenly the Hardy books are crap. You know, they're not as good as they used to be because they've changed so much from what they started out to be. And there's, there is... There is, a, that will be my fear for the two Johnnies. Now, I think they're doing it really, really well. And I think they're handling it really well. And I think, every, you know, I'm glad they got back on the radio. And I'm glad that they they got through that because it was nonsense. Absolutely oh, nonsense. Such nonsense. Yeah. I, I'm terrified of that whole industry. Everything. Even, say, those, I, I've never given any those, what's the thing you like signed up to? Influencers, they, they, all those things. I've, I've never even, I wouldn't even. But you're an influencer. Yeah, but I wouldn't get involved with anything in that industry. Never. What do you mean? You do get involved with it. Yeah, but sure, the only way signing up to all these people that I feel know more than me and they. But sure, if you're selling Helly Hansen workwear, you're selling. Yeah, I know, but when you start, I feel that when you get involved with the big leagues, you know, you're getting involved with the two FMs or the radio shows or. Um, a television program or like websites and you, you, you start to lose because I've met people I've I've had these meetings and it, they suck the life out of you because everyone is scratching everyone's back and you have to be so worried about you can't where's the money coming from you know and if we do X well what happens then why doesn't it, why doesn't it happen then because well, it, it stifles creativity absolutely yeah. so I say who do I know that Makes really good content. Do you ever watch Evenflow? I only heard about him last week. Uh, in my barbers, he started showing me a video of him coming yeah, around well, the corner. He he makes content. And makes it himself. Doesn't give a shite. Original. Yeah. Does his own thing. And I don't know him. I, I don't know him. He, But I know he puts work into his stuff. Yeah. And it's funny. Hundreds of thousands of views. Now, I know in that industry, you... You can make the best content in the world, but you're not going to make any money out of it. Like we, we don't get paid. We have to find a way of making it worthwhile yeah. to get paid. So he doesn't go near RTE, obviously. He, doesn't, he wants to make money. How does he make money? Yeah. So he, like, he wants to try something different. Sell clothes. That's one way of doing it. Like you, you want to do the gin. So he does a raffle. So he's raffling a car. All right. Right? Great idea. And you see people putting up but people that he's creating content for, 
putting up messages and putting up, oh, how much is he making on that? You know, he's making too much money on that. Mm. And you're like, is his time not worth money? He has to, it's a business. It has to make money. But do those people deserve recognition? No, they don't. They deserve the attacks that people get for stuff that isn't wrong. We're all attacking the wrong people. We put the wrong people up on pedestals. We attack the wrong people. There's so much negativity. That's the negativity I don't like. Yeah. When people think that you're making money, you're a prick. Yeah. If people yeah. people don't know what's going on behind the closed door, they don't know how hard it is to stay going. And I don't know why they don't understand because everyone has the same problems. <laughs> there's no one hasn't the same problems. Everyone's struggling. Yeah, but there's an element that's I don't know, is it an Irish thing? But there's an element of somebody doing well. So like I came on my stories yesterday and I said, I have an agent now. What a dick. Like, because, you know, an element of me would say that about somebody. You'd say, oh, do you not, do you not think there's a, look at that dick. There's just this constant, everyone has this anger bubbling. There's definitely, oh, 100%. Because of, because of the way we live our lives now. 100%. Because we're all wound up. We're all, we all deep down know that there's something going on. We don't know what's happening. But your life is fucking hard. It is. It's fucking yeah, easy. Like driving that Porsche last week for the last two weeks, I was dying to give it back because I was embarrassed getting in and out of it. You knew when you pulled into a forecourt, if there's six fellas in the forecourt, five of them went, dick. And one of them went, cool car. And, you know, life is hard, David. Like, mm. it's hard to pay the bills. It's mm. hard it's, you know, it's hard to go to work. It's, it's really, really hard. And it's bubbling up. It and, is. you know, we're after getting through two years of a pandemic. And you're saying, oh, Jesus, we got out of that all right. Thanks a million. But there's plenty of people that didn't. There's plenty of people that lost loved ones. There's plenty of people that have life-changing illnesses. Um, and then you say, right, will we plan a bit of a holiday? And then there's a world war. And you're like, Jesus, I better not... Not go anywhere now, just in case we get stuck in. By the way, there is no world war yet. <laughs> just in case you start getting freaked but out. But that is potentially bubbling along mm. there. You know, when 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 you see Biden talking and you know, you know, the president of France and everyone talking and everyone concerned about this thing in Ukraine, that to me is a world war because it's consuming everyone. It's consuming every country, and every country is attacking Russia. Yeah. So how is that not a world what, war? What, what consumes me is there's not an economist in the world. Could tell you what's going to go on in the next six months. Yeah. And that's unprecedented. And that's, then you have really, crazy. really big companies making huge, huge money. Mm. Pfizer's one of them. And the then way. you have small <laughs> companies making small money and really struggling and finding it hard. Like it's, it's impossible to be in business. It is. It's, it's really hard. I like, and that's the thing. I see that an awful lot in my job. Like businesses that are struggling and finding it really, really hard. And then the business across the road is getting grants and getting everything handed to them because of who they are and what they're doing. There's no even playing field, I don't mm. think. No, there's no, definitely no even playing and field. And it's who, who do you know and who can you shake hands with and what form can you fill out? And, and the majority of, of us are shit at filling out forms and we don't want to fill out forms. I don't, you know. And there's a grant there available. Grant, it's 30 pages long and 14 pages. You'd need a feckin' degree. So you just it's go, I'm not going to bother going for that grant. Even most young people thinking, how many people message me if they don't go to college, you think they're screwed. And they're being told in school. And I'm not saying that people shouldn't leave school, should go to college, get your courses, but know what you're going to do. You don't have to go to college. If I'm 37 and I have no idea what I want to do. And I say that all the time. 
And when I left school, I was told the principal of the school said, you'll never be anything without leaving cert. Yeah, said, Alan, don't leave. You'll never be anything without leaving cert. And loads of people said that to you. And your parents would say it to you to a degree. Like my mother was always very supportive. And my mother would always, she never gave a shite. She knew there was work in me. She knew from an early age. And she'd always say that. I'd be getting up at six o'clock in the morning to go delivering sandwiches. And she'd always get up and say, fair play to you. You know, she was always very supportive. And she knew there was work in me. And they obviously they'd say, oh, you need your leave insert now just in case you want to fall back on it. But at the end of the day, if there's work in you, leave insert doesn't matter a shite. I'm oh. 37 now. I've done 50 jobs and I, I have no idea what I want to do. Right, well, look, I hope you all enjoyed listening to Alan telling us all about his life and his car washing and all that sexy stuff. <laughs> and I will see you all again next week. I love you. Good luck.